Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you're in a church, I wish I was speaking to somebody other than you, but I'm not. I'm speaking only to you this morning. If you go to a church or you're listening to a great teacher, I don't care how gifted they are, and they say to you, well, the book of Genesis is just a bunch of stories, turn it off. Don't ever listen to the garbage again. This is the word of God. Not debatable. Lots of churches debate it. Well, it's outdated. It's as fresh as this morning's bagels. Amen. When we've been going to a particular church for a long time, it's easy to forget about the rest of the body of Christ around the world. We get kind of insulated, maybe thinking that our church has a corner on quality preaching, Sunday school, etc. This is the same problem that Jesus' disciples had and, and attitude that Jesus is trying to correct in the scripture passage Pastor Mark will be teaching from. He'll be sharing how Jesus tried to expand the disciples' concept of what it means to be his follower, and also who might be a follower of Christ. Jesus' battle and warnings against tribalism then certainly can apply to us now. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues his message, Would've, Could've, Should've, Didn't. The disciples were jealous of another man, which wasn't part of the 12, but he cast a demon out of a man in the name of Jesus. And they're jealous of that. Now think of what's happened. Peter, James, and John came down with Jesus and they came down in the valley and there was a the other nine disciples, and a man had come with a demon-possessed son, and they tried to cast the demon out, remember? And they couldn't. Here's somebody that's not part of them, but he cast the demon out. What's happening in their heart? Jealousy, competitiveness, exclusivity. Amazing to me, they were more concerned for their own reputation than the person who was delivered from a demon. See, we can be this so easily, this competitive, jealous. And Jesus is going to give us, well, it's kind of a loving correction this morning. What does Jesus say in verse 50? Look at this, huge key for you. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. What's Jesus saying? Hey, guys, we're all in this together. We're fighting Satan. And if he's not against us and he's casting the demon out of my name, he's for us. He's part of our team. As this comes 
Let me show you how that works. You say, well, Pastor Mike, that doesn't have any application for us. Oh, it has huge application. When you look at the church as a whole, worldwide church of God, use a capital C. When I was in India a few months ago, and I spoke at that church of 44,000 people, born-again believers, fantastic, spirit-filled, it was amazing. There are different denominations. Are they part of the big church of Jesus Christ? Well, of course. So what about down the streets around us and our campus here? The Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Church of Christ, the whatever, the churches all over, the Pentecostal Church down somewhere on, down south, all over the place. If they're serving Jesus, if people's lives are being changed, if the Bible's being taught, are they part of the kingdom of God? Okay, so why would we be jealous and competitive from them? Now understand, God made us different. Sometimes, even the disciples, all the disciples were different in personalities. And we have people who like a church that's more liturgical, more structure, more ritual. They want it quiet. And God allowed churches to have that kind of temperament. Other people, they're higher energy. They have lots of emotion. They love loud music. They don't like sitting down. They like standing up. Organs playing in the background, all kind of stuff. Don't make fun of those people. By the way, you go to South America, you go to Cuba, they love that. that, that they're dancing while you're singing, maybe. It's not weird. It's just different for us. So what is Jesus saying about this? The guy isn't really part of us as far as the disciples but he's part of us because he's really for us. He's for God. So God has those different churches. Why would we be jealous of them? You're here because this kind of style fits you okay. We're a little of both, aren't we? We don't allow you to get up and run around all over the place, whatever, during worship. Not too much screaming. I don't mind the name because sometimes I have to pull it out of you. But other than that, how about worship here? We get into the worship some, don't we? That's good. Praise night, do we get into the worship? We really get into the worship. And yet we have a what? Just like now, we have a quiet. We have time to think. So that's just who we are. So people will either come here, go to other churches. So you can't get that way. Now, Jesus, listen, they're very important. Jesus is not saying to his disciples that you accept anyone who claims to be working for Jesus, but they deny the essentials of the Christian faith. There's a lot of churches. We have a massive number of churches that are great, but there's a lot of churches out there that claim they're for Jesus. They're not for Jesus at all. So, of course, let's go through what does it mean to be essential? The essentials of the faith are like, we put them in here. I just use this. Not my illustration, but it's a great illustration. You put the essentials of what it means to be a Christian church. You put it in there, and you do this. You close it. You can't change any of those. Firm, finished, done. Now, other things we can disagree on. And it doesn't really matter. Let me give you some ideas. End time events. The book of Revelation. Okay? We have lots of questions that are like this, really part of the Christian church, and they believe differently in the book of Revelation. You can have pre-trib, post-trib, no-trib. You can have pre-wrath. You can have a million kinds. We happen to be pre-trib. We believe that we're going to be raptured out of here. Tribulation comes. Those people can go through. And they, they can have anything you want. We're just going to go to heaven. We'll be there waiting till whenever they get there. No, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying. So... Is that an essential one? No. What is essential? 
that Jesus is coming back again. By the way, in case you don't know, when you get to heaven, we're going to find out some things, not the essentials, but some of these other crazy things we argued about. Oh, I guess I was wrong only for the 90 years. Nobody has it all together except for these. All right. How about baptism? Sprinkle or immerse? We're going to immerse you, baby, right under, because we believe that's right. Uh, am I going to argue with a person that believes sprinkling and they serve God and they're winning people to Christ? Of course not. I'm not going to change what I believe, but I'm not going to argue about it. Now, think about this. The Holy Spirit. Do you know that there's many wonderful churches that believe when the Bible, uh, when the apostles died, all the gifts died? No healing, no supernatural, no power of the Holy Spirit, none of those kind of things. I mean, I just, and I say this kindly, I feel sorry for them. Sorry, they're alive today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, but are they going to be in heaven with us? Absolutely. They just disagree with that. And you have all those kind of things that go back and forth. How about church government? There's lots of different kinds of church government. I was raised in a denomination where you voted for everything. The congregation voted for everything. And then only the members could vote for everything. And then you tried to find out who are the members. Well, they ain't been here for four years. They ain't been here for eight years. I guess we need to scratch them off. And you go to scratch them off and you send them a letter. Oh, I'm coming back to church to vote. But they've never been around the church. Aren't you glad you didn't have to vote what size the screen should be? Could I hear an amen right there? Well, Pastor Mark, that crazy thing is black up here. I, don't, I want red on this. Forget it. We have other people that have those gifts. Now, we do bring to you elders and pastors. Do you know something wrong morally that we've missed? So you're part of us, but I'm so glad. You don't even know some of this history. You don't want to go. I remember my mom coming home from a board meeting many, many years ago. And she was crying. And the church said that we lived in a parsonage. The church owned it. She couldn't paint the bathroom the color that she wanted. And I'm still in the ministry today after all that. Well-meaning people, but they wanted to be in what? Control. Aren't you glad you don't have to fool with that crazy stuff? Amen. Okay. So all those things, it doesn't matter. Those are non-essentials. What is in my fist that's essential? Well, I can't give them all, but I'm going to give a few to you. The Holy Trinity. You don't believe in the Trinity? You're not part of Jesus' body. You don't believe in the deed of Christ that Jesus is God? Not a chance. Salvation by grace alone? Well, Pastor Mark, I know there's grace, but you can work your way. You're not part of the kingdom of God. Salvation through Jesus alone? Absolutely. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You hear a lot of people say this. Well, I, I believe Jesus died, but I don't really, no way he was resurrected. I'm sorry. You're not part of the kingdom of God. And Here's the big one for today, the real big one. This is one you'll never find changing at a real Christian church. This is all the Word of God inspired from cover to cover how we do life. If you're in a church, I wish I was speaking to somebody other than you, but I'm not. I'm speaking only to you this morning. If you go to a church or you're listening to a great teacher, I don't care how gifted they are, and they say to you, well, the book of Genesis is just a bunch of stories. Turn it off. Don't ever listen to the garbage again. This is the word of God. Not debatable. Lots of churches debate it. Well, it's outdated. 
It's as fresh as this morning's bagels. Amen. All right. So what is that saying? Don't be judgmental. Don't be jealous. We're on the same team. So all of a sudden, Church X over here comes brand new into town. And all of a sudden, it just booms in town. Becomes huge. Are we going to be jealous? We can be. I can be. No, I have to say, if they're teaching the word of God and people are getting saved, they're part of the kingdom. We're fighting the same many. Bless them, God. Go for it. That's why this field of dreams across the street when lots of different churches come, that's a great thing for us. Yeah, you're going to be with somebody that believes differently in you, whatever. You have that music on stage. and That's fine. Yeah, come see us sometime. I'll give you your plugs. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. See, don't be judgmental. Can I say to you this morning as we go through, this is very important for you. When you see Jesus, is he correcting in love his disciples this morning? Yes, because he loves them. God loves you. He corrects us because he's not condemning us. He's correcting us because he loves us. Now, I want you to circle verse 51 in your Bible. This is a huge verse It's a turning point in the whole book of Luke, and it is absolutely a statement for all of us. Look what it says. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This is Jesus' commitment. He's already about six or eight months from going to the cross. He's already been ministering with his disciples for two years plus. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's eventually going to go to the cross. He's going to die. And this is his commitment. No turning back. I'm set my face to do it. Nothing's going to sidetrack me from where I'm going. Now, when he makes that statement, let me just give you a summary very quick. They're up in the Galilee area. They're going to go down to Jerusalem for a Jewish celebration. Way back in the Old Testament, when some of the, one of the parts of the Jewish nation were captured, they started intermingling with Gentiles. And it called, they became the Samaritan people. Remember the woman at the well? Samaritan people. Well, they, they believe you don't work, worship in Jerusalem, you worship at Gerizim in their area. And they had very different beliefs. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, any of that kind of thing. And so there was a, there was a big fight between Jews and Samaritans. So if you went to Jerusalem from up there in the north, you went around. You never went through Samaria. But Jesus is going to go through Samaria. Now watch what happens. He sends his disciples, I'll read it to you in a moment, to go and find him a place to stay. So he can spend the night because it's a two or three day journey. Look at the verses. And he sent messengers ahead of him, some of his disciples, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. They didn't believe in Jerusalem. They didn't believe that was the place where God should be worshipped, only in Mount Gerizim. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, here's his disciples. Look at their response. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and nuke them? Praise God, they're fast learners. Now, is it any wonder James and John are called the, these fireballs from heaven? That's what they were. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. So what, what is happening? What is Jesus going to say to them? These sons of thunder came up with the answer. Just nuke that guy that refused to put a house for you. Well, look at verse 55. Jesus turned, and what did he do? He rebuked them. He said, what are you thinking? 
And he and his disciples went to another village. What was the character flaw? Condemnation instead of love and grace. Why did Jesus come to this earth? How many people did he come to save? Let me see if you know the answer. All people. Were the Samaritans people that God wanted to save? Half-breeds, were they? Yeah. Let me ask you a harder one. ISIS? Of course. All people. So the disciples didn't get it. It's almost the same thing. They're not for us, so let's just nuke them. Well, just think about it in your mind. If they kill them, any chance for them to go to heaven? Of course not. Sometimes in the Bible, we know this verse by heart. You don't need to turn there, John 3, 16. But we don't know the next verse. Let me read the verse so you'll be in context. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, this one and only son, that whoever believed in him should what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus came for the whole world. People don't understand the love of God. Listen to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, they saw the Samaritans as their enemy. What did Jesus already teach his disciples about what what should we do to our enemies? Nuke them? No, do what? Love them and what? Pray for them. So why would God put verse 17 in the Bible? God didn't come to condemn the world. Because most of our friends outside this building, and maybe some of you in here today, have the wrong character of God. God's angry, unapproachable. He wants to have as few people in heaven as possible. Doesn't like people like that. People that curse him, he's going to get rid of them. No, that is not the nature of God. Love Never fails. He loves every. He hates people that reject him. So he knows that the world, because of Satan, well, you have to do this in the church, and God's angry with you, and everything is so narrow, there's no joy in church. All lies. See, outside this building, people don't know who God is. We know who God is. He's love, He's filled with grace. So Jesus is saying to them, You guys are slow learners. We didn't come to condemn the world. We came to change the world through salvation and grace. Let me remind you of that this morning. He loves the whole world. Now, what were those disciples doing? When they said to each other, let's nuke them, they were making God look bad. We want to make God look good. That's what love and grace is all about. Thank you for being the right kind of people. Now, he's going to be interacting with three men. I'm going to have three men come out. They're going to sit out here this morning. Watch me. Two of the men are going to come to Jesus and say, hey, I'm following you. And in between those two is another man that Jesus walks by and goes out of the crowd. Hey, you, come here, follow me. So how is that going to look? These guys are going to read this morning from uh, the Message Bible. And you you can find it right where you're at here. If you'll turn uh, over here to verse 57, you're going to see what this is like. Let me just preface it with this. When Jesus began calling people, follow me, 
He required a commitment. Deny self, take up your cross, follow me. It wasn't a decision that I could change. It was a commitment, going for it. He never reduced that. He never said, well, you can follow me for a little while, but if it's really not what you want, then just go ahead. No, he he asked for a commitment. He's making a commitment. I'm headed to Jerusalem. Nothing's going to stop me. In the old days, when you got married, we made a commitment to our spouse. Till death do us part. That's gone. That's gone for many people. So you're going to see him addressing three guys and what they're going to talk about. So listen to the first one right here. Verse 57. On the road, someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. And Jesus was blunt and said, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best of hotels, you know. Pretty good out of the Bible, huh, baby? (laughs) Message Bible. So what happens? This man hears about Jesus. It's a happening thing in those days. I mean, Jesus... His name is on the street everywhere. People following him all over the place. People getting healed. Demons coming out. Man, they wanted to be part of it. So this man saw the fame. He saw the popularity. He saw the miracles. All he could think about in his heart is, this has got to be the in-group. I'm headed there. I got to follow this guy. I want to. I want people to say, well, who are you following? Jesus. It's fantastic. So he asks to be a follower of Jesus. Now. You're going to see in a moment, in verse 58, how Jesus responds. Let me give you my rendition of how Jesus responds. And Jesus says to this young man, Hey, glad to have you. Come on, follow me. You probably noticed, I know you've noticed, we're very wealthy. Everybody that follows us is prosperous. That's really God's will for you. And by the way, tonight... If you really start following me today, I'm headed to Jerusalem. And I guarantee you, I have a room. I'll make sure you have a room. And it's one of my favorite places in Jerusalem. It's the Jerusalem Ritz-Carlton. It's fantastic. They have free Wi-Fi. The view is great. And the breakfast buffet is to die for, man. Is that what Jesus is going to say to him? Well, look what he says in verse 58. Jesus replied, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have a nest, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, is he saying that in anger? No, he's saying it in love. He wants to say to this guy, I appreciate you wanting to follow me, but you don't have a clue. You don't know what the lifestyle's like. You have to make a commitment. It is fantastic. It is the greatest lifestyle in all the world. For sure, Jesus is saying that. But it's going to cost you. With all of the aberrant churches and teachers abounding in our time, it's easy to forget that there are a lot of really good teachers and churches. The scripture Pastor Mark taught from in an attempt by Jesus to remind his disciples, which includes us, that the number of his followers is far more expansive than we often think about and may include people we thought would never become disciples of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Pastor Mark's next message will conclude his teaching on this particular passage of Scripture. He'll be sharing stories of people that claimed that they wanted to follow Jesus, but had something that was hindering them. We'll be told how Jesus was unwilling to wait for life to settle or pan out, that he has to be the number one priority all the time, and that any other arrangement will not be acceptable. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.